Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. My name's Ali, and I'm joined by my friend James. And I'm not going to ask him how he's doing, because I know, because I'm psychic, and I can hear his thoughts. <laughs> Do you hear that? Is that the prodigy? <laughs> In yep. the distance? That's right. There's sick breakbeats all around us, circling, because we're talking about Galerians. A game that's been often requested and eagerly awaited by me, mm. and probably only me. <laughs> yes. Um, it's the number one um, survival horror game for uh, cyber goth kids. They love it. Exactly. And as the world's leading cyber goth, I have just been dying to play this game again. Um, yes. Yeah. But before we get too deep into it, as always... This episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness to sign up to help support the show. And you can jump in the discord and talk to us because this is a club. It's a game club. And at the end yes. of every episode, we tell you what we are gonna play next. Wait, wait, we forgot something important. Ah, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. We made t-shirts. We made t-shirts gotta buy it <laughs> do you uh, like symphony of the night do you like the devil of course you do zerobrightness.com snag a t-shirt yep we made sick heavy metal t-shirts for our not heavy metal podcast <laughs> and but they're sick. yeah you can buy one and wear one um whether you like castlevania the show heavy metal t-shirts all three only one none you can still buy it it's cool it's a good deal yeah great shirts yeah high quality yeah yeah. Um, yeah. Sick. <laughs> okay. Galerians. 1999. Developed mm. by Polygon Magic. Nay? Uh, they have another name? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, when the game boots up, uh, it says the name, and there's like little Japanese kids that say Polygon Magic. Nay? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of weird intros when you boot up this game. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a little, it's like a little caveman kid drawing a dinosaur or something. It's super weird. Um, what the hell does this have to do with cyber goth kids taking drugs? I have no idea. What I do know is that this developer kind of made a lot of weird, trashy, like licensed games. Later, they made mobile games. Uh, they only have one other notable game. Uh, which is Incredible Crisis. Have you ever played this game? Yes. Yeah. Super. What a great, weird PS1 hidden gem. Yeah. It's basically like a really bizarre mini game collection where you play as a family <laughs> that's trying to get home for like their grandma's birthday. And <laughs> basically just in their quest to get home, all this weird shit happens. Like, you know, aliens abduct them or like there's weird dance contests break out and like things start exploding. It's really weird, but it's great. It's like a rhythm slash FMV style game. Yeah. And the wacky antics of this family during one day. Yeah. It's great. It's just super weird, though, that this developer just generally did not make stuff like this. And then for some reason in the PS1 era, they must have hired some real like high quality freakos and they end up making that game <laughs> and this game, Galerians, which I love both of them. They're just so weird. That's why I love this um, 
like era of games like 1998 99 2000 so many great weird little games yeah for sure and i feel like the ps1 and ps2 were really good for that stuff getting released in america Mm, totally like a lot of that really super weird you know like we got mr mosquito and chibi robo and uh mr domino just like all these weird fucking games ps2s were just ubiquitous back then because they were like the number one dvd player too so everyone had one even if they were like a gamer or not yeah so i mean you're gonna end up buying some games you might as well just publish as many as you can and see what sticks because manufacturing dvds is pretty cheap too so yeah totally gotta publish them all (laughs) exactly um so galerians uh was released in 1999 it's a little bit late for the style it's a very classic survival horror game like gen one it's got <laughs> pre-rendered backgrounds. It's got tanky controls, kind of tanky. Oh, they're tank AF. I don't know. There's something. Okay, so the controls of this game are really weird. It's sort of like with traditional tank controls, it was basically like you had to rotate your character, usually with like shoulder buttons, and then you could go in the cardinal directions with the like the directional arrows, right? Mm, yeah. In, in this game, it's like all mapped to just the directional arrow part of it and if you're playing this game i guess either with a dual shock or you're emulating it uh you're using an analog stick and for some reason that just makes it feel a little slicker and less tanky to mm. me like okay. you have to get used to it it's like this is you're gonna hear me say this a lot you just have to get used to like everything <laughs> in this game in fact i'll link this in the show notes but i actually wrote a guide about how this game works and how to get started playing this. I posted it in our Discord. You can search for the code phrase Danky Kang, all one word. <laughs> or you can click the link that's going to be in the description of this episode. But it's it's a really hard game to get started with, but I think it's yeah. worth it, ultimately. it's. I, I got stuck in the first room for about five minutes. Yeah. I'll be real. But, you know, okay, here's my take on this game. Um, these developers played Resident Evil 2 and said, I can make that. Yeah. And so they made their flavor of Resident Evil 2. And RE2 came out in January 98, and this came out in 99. So it's, I mean, it's not that far off of Resident Evil slash Resident Evil 2. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's, it's interesting the refinements that they made, though. So like okay the big one that has nothing to do with mechanics or anything is the aesthetic so this game is cyberpunk horror techno goth the Mm. game yeah like (laughs) super influenced by the anime akira super influenced by like nine inch nails music videos (laughs) and like just techno music in general like european subgenres you know breakbeat music well, jungle music there's, there's this kind of like gothy horror like steampunky a little aesthetic from the late 90s stuff like a uh, city of lost children yes. i don't know how you would define that aesthetic but it has like a big uh a big scoop of that you know right 
So that and that's like one big change, which totally removes it from pretty much every other survival horror game that came out around this time, you know. But on a nuts and bolts level too, it's interesting because your character uses a totally different combat style than a normal uh, survival horror games, and the game is fast. Like that's kind of the interesting thing to me with this genre. You get so used to everything being really slow. Like even like RE2 is slow, you know, mm. like drawing your weapon and aiming, moving around. It's pretty slow. This game is fast. Um, hmm. There's a run button that makes you move real fucking fast. And also if you want to <laughs> survive in combat scenarios, like you got to go fast. It is a bit more combat focused on the tail end too. Um, oh Yeah. It, it definitely puts you through some like uh, trial trials by fire, uh, especially towards the end. Oh, yeah. I think the first and last areas are both really combat heavy. It's pretty interesting because I think the middle... So there's four areas in the game. The middle mm-hmm. two, there's not very much combat, and I think those are the best parts of the game. But Yeah, definitely more exploratory. Mm-hmm. The beginning and end, though, are like very fast combat heavy it's it's interesting i mean like i said you gotta get used to it like once you figure out how the game works and you understand the combat it's actually really cool like playing it again this time is probably like my third time playing this game Mm. uh i really understood how shit worked and i actually found it to be really fun um but i get why it can like frustrate some people (laughs) well okay so you talked about the style a bit but Mm -hmm. along with that come these huge long pre-rendered cutscenes. this is a three disc game and it's not because it's overly long no um it's It's like five there's a lot yeah there's a ton of cgi going on yeah so just like you said the nuts and bolts design feels like they played re2 and were like i can do that the number of cutscenes and the cinematic style of the game was like they played parasite eve and were like not enough cutscenes. which is funny because in parasite eve that was part of the marketing it was like the cinematic rpg i think was the tagline for that game Mm -hmm. uh in this game it's not advertised that way but it that's exactly what it is it's that to a t i mean a lot of it is watching cutscenes it really bolsters the kind of anime feel of the game yeah um so well, it is it, it hangs on those it leverages those cutscenes so much but it it makes it a real shame that the voice acting is so amateurish and hilarious in this game yeah so the the voice acting is like super bad um but it's also kind of fitting like okay let's talk about a little bit of the (laughs) the the setting and what the premise is here so in this game you play as a psychic teenager a la the anime akira like any of the psychic kids in that movie Mm -hmm. right there's like Mm -hmm. six of them or something um your protagonist is named rion he wakes like up like Leon from yeah, RE2. Yeah, I think it's a clear reference actually. Uh, he wakes up in a futuristic lab with no clue who he is and nothing to guide him. He just feels like shit and he's angry. He is powered by pure 90s techno angst. He's got a <laughs> choker 
and like something kind of like a fitted baseball jersey and big fucking jinko shorts and he just wants to fuck shit up yep, he's taking grandma's pills <laughs> setting dudes heads on fire yeah and uh that's basically what he does Luckily, there's a multi-page note right by where you start explaining all the drugs you can take in the entire game. But it also is not very helpful. (laughs) No, not at all. It's like reading the label on a bottle of Tylenol or something. Exactly. So, a big point. This game is very user-unfriendly. It's why I wrote that guide. If you want to play this game, and you should, because I love this game, I think you should play it, but... If you were going to, my two tips are number one, emulate it, because quick saves make the bosses really uh, a lot less frustrating. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about it later, but the bosses in this game are like super frustrating. Mm -hmm. And also, you should read uh, my guide that I wrote, because it explains a lot of the basic systems in this game, which is something that the game itself does not do. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of weird traversal stuff. There's a lot of managing your characters you know meds and various things that you need to live and the game doesn't really help with that you either have to figure it out or have it told to you yeah for sure i mean i went into it blind because i wanted to experience how not user-friendly it is because i had heard about it from you so yeah i probably played the first 30 minutes to an hour just blind and I was confused about a lot of things Mm -hmm. so I fell back on your guide and I was happy to read it (laughs) yeah and I think once again I mean the first time I played this game I instantly loved it because of the style which I'm going to talk about in a second here but I was also so frustrated like I had such a fucking hard time I probably restarted it three times I like didn't understand how you were supposed to beat any of the bosses I mean, mm. I think the first real boss I fought, I was just like, I this is unbeatable, basically. <laughs> and so coming back to it now, like really understanding how the game works, it was so much more fun. And it really wasn't actually difficult because I sort of like planned ahead. And also I could use save states for the bosses. I really can't overstate how frustrating these bosses are if you don't have save states. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it's... It sucks. I mean, things about this game are a bummer because there's cool shit in it and there's shit that's just holding you back from experiencing it. But that's Mm -hmm. why I'm like, dude, emulate it, you know, read my guide, maybe have another like guide open if you get stuck. But this game is really fun and it's really cool once you get into the swing of it. And it's really unique. A A lot of it ends up being, you know, like Resident Evil style puzzles where you just have to keep exploring until you find a key for the thing you need you couldn't open. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's it's a lot more quicker and direct with solving puzzles, I think, than something like Resident Evil. Yeah. Oh totally. Um Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the style. A little bit more about the style of this game. Uh so the reason that I love this game and I think it's so notable is that it's basically Japanese 80s slash 90s cyberpunk horror, the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was basically this whole lineage of this stuff. And some of it is not very obscure and some of it is super obscure. So <laughs> let me run down some of the things that I think influence this game and what I'm reminded of when I play this game. So the big one, like I already mentioned, Akira. 1988. Mm-hmm. 
anime, very famous movie based on a manga series. It's basically the start of this subgenre. It's also the biggest influence on this game. You know, it's set in a broken down dystopian near future where teens and children are turned into psychic killing machines. You know, it's kind of like an allegory for society breaking down. Everything is just kind of nasty and dirty. There's a lot of crazy body horror stuff and mutation. I mean, it's really set the precedent for something like this game. And this game lifts some imagery straight from it. Uh, Like, for example, these children or teens being kept in almost like nurseries that look like they're for Mm -hmm. very, very young children, even though they're older than that. Um, that's something that Akira introduces. The other thing about Akira that's really interesting is the movie kind of makes no sense. Um, <laughs> because So the manga series is very long and very involved. Like, There's a ton of like subplots and lore and backstory. It's got all this like political stuff going on. And when they condensed it down into a movie, it was really more like they kept the feel of the manga... Mm. but they took out so much that you're like, who's that? Who's that? Wait, what's that? Huh? (laughs) And it's funny because you could look at it as a shortcoming, but you could also look at it as being kind of amazing because it is like, it's so weird and dreamlike and it pays so little attention to things like continuity or introducing characters that it takes on a whole different tone than a, a movie that actually does care about those things. Mm-hmm. And it seems to not only be a huge influence on this game, but also the rest of the stuff I'm going to mention, because they all sort of take this weird approach to that where it's like, that doesn't matter. You don't need to know who this character is. Just look at the scene. Isn't this fucking weird? <laughs> and yeah. you have to have an appreciation for that to appreciate this game, because otherwise you're just mm-hmm. going to be frustrated. Yeah, I mean, when you were explaining the uh, the plot of Akira, I'm like, well, that's this game. Like, <laughs> I don't think it lifted a little. I think, like, in terms of, like, plot, it lifted a ton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, I, I totally agree. It's just, like, they just put more in. You know, it's mm. it's a very referential game. It's It really is, like, them looking at this subgenre and the style and being like, we're going to make something in that style. But they did it really well, and it's really cool, I think. Yeah, totally. So, okay, a few more things to mention in the subgenre. You know, the next big piece here is Tetsuo the Iron Man. Uh, <laughs> it's a 1989 movie by Shinya Tsukamoto. It really established this genre slash aesthetic as something you could do in a live action film. It's a lot grittier and gorier. There's even more body horror in it um, as compared to something like Akira. And it also takes those similar themes and mixes it with different subcultural ideas like punk rock, um, Mm -hmm. fetish subculture, and body mod subculture. Like, it's just a much darker take on those same ideas. And it's a really fucking cool movie. It's also just visually stunning. It's it's black and white and very grainy and overexposed and Mm -hmm. hyper-contrasted. Um, yeah yeah it's just very visually exciting yeah it's a great movie and okay so there's a lesser known filmmaker who actually worked on tetsuo iron man whose name is shozen fukui 
Now, I'm obsessed with this dude, and nobody knows who he is or cares. But uh, so Shozen Fukui, uh, he kind of got his start making films as an extension of his involvement in the Japanese noise music scene in the late 80s. Oh, really? Yeah, so he was basically playing like noise music and punk rock. And he brought the same style and ethos to film. Mm. Basically, his style is marked by a few different hallmarks. He did a lot of guerrilla shooting where they would just go out on the street and shoot without permits. Uh, (laughs) And apparently they got away with this because at that time, street performance was really popular. So when people would see someone running around covered in blood and someone filming them with a camera, they'd be like, oh, is this street performance? And they wouldn't like (laughs) call the cops or like ask for their permits or whatever. Um, But it it has produced some pretty cool scenes in his movie. Uh, his movies another thing is that they always used uh, cheap gear so everything was shot mm-hmm. on whatever was around that was cheapest a lot of it's like shot on VHS camcorders and it kind of looks like shit but it's a lot of it is like black and white high contrast so it looks awesome nice um, vi- once again visuals are very extreme uh, both in like color choices and grading but also just in like using effects and things like that it's all just like really crazy and fucked up looking Mm. And another big thing is using non-actors. So he was just using people he knew from the music scene in his movies, uh, which gives everything like a weird stilted quality to it, um, which is very, very present in something like Galerians. Um, Nice. His movies are, they have a cheap feel, but they're also full of really striking visuals and crazy performances. Um, he's best known for a pair of movies he did in the early nineties. Uh, rubber's lover is the most famous one he did. It's basically just about like the perils of human experimentation. Uh, I'll leave it at that. That movie's just fucking nuts. Hmm. Um, but he did one before it called Pinocchio or sometimes referred to as nine, six, four Pinocchio. It's probably my favorite movie of his. It's about an escaped sex robot that slowly begins to transform into a monster as he becomes self-aware. Uh, I have to see these. Yeah. Sounds amazing. They are amazing, and they're just full of crazy imagery. Like, the transformation scenes in Pinocchio are really, really weird and gross and cheap, uh, and they're awesome. <laughs> There's a part where they uh, completely restage a scene from a Polish movie called Possession uh, hmm. of the there's a scene in that movie of this lady just kind of like throwing herself against the walls of like a underground subway station. Mm. It's like a very famous scene. It just looks like she's possessed or something. And she's like throwing herself against the walls in this movie. They do the same thing and they restage it exactly. Except the woman is vomiting tons and tons of (laughs) shitty looking fake vomit everywhere. Like it's so, so, so good. I love it. Um, But yeah, like, and he has a couple shorts too. I think he has one called Caterpillar that I rewatched recently. That's like really, really good. Um, but anyway, he basically made these movies that were clearly in the cyberpunk, cyber horror subgenre, but they had this real cheap, stitched together feel. There's really not a lot of uh, care given to like, does this make sense? Does the plot have like a clear through line? They just don't give a shit. Mm. They introduce characters willy nilly and kill them or cover them in fake vomit for no reason. Like, <laughs> it's fantastic. When you play Galerians, the aesthetic is so similar and it's so close to something like this that it's like, oh, I get it. Like, that's what they're doing here. Even if it's not, I just like it. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. I need to check all that out. 
Yeah, yeah, man. Um, there's another one too that is significantly shittier, but also way more hilarious. Called Eighty Thousand Volts Electric Dragon. Uh, wow. And it's it's another one, but it's it's actually about a band, and it's like about this guy who's trying to like basically make himself a crazy cyber human and at one point he just plays this terrible noise guitar solo that goes on for like 10 minutes of the movie it's amazing <laughs> glenn bronca yeah, yeah. <laughs> glenn bronca if he sucked a lot it's amazing dude. <laughs> um, yeah i'm gonna have to check that out i'm looking at it right now yeah you gotta check out all this stuff if you like that style um and it's like that's what always drew me to galerians is it's like the only game i've seen that covers aesthetically mm the same territory it's obviously updated for the 90s you know sure like a yeah. lot of the stuff feels very 80s even the stuff that came out in the early 90s and mid 90s but this game is very squarely in the 90s with like the fashion and the music the fact that it's at points very colorful in a dark way which none of these movies really were mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah so as we mentioned earlier this game is super cinematic. Um, there's little FMV cutscenes hidden everywhere. And I think because of those as well, there's even more like film influences and film references that pop up. Uh, mm. I'm not even going to really bother mentioning any of them except for the one that you mentioned earlier, which is city of lost children. Mm. Um, I think that seems like it had a big influence aesthetically. City of lost children is one of those movies where like it didn't get much critical acclaim at all. But I think visually it has inspired like a lot of future works. Oh yeah. Like, Cause I can think of a bunch of games that like had that vibe oh, after yeah. that movie came out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I, and as a side note, city of lost children is like one of my favorite movies. I super love that movie. It's a 1998 French movie. Um, it's, it's so bizarre. It's yeah. Kind of like a steampunky sort of broken down future aesthetic it's like about this orphan girl who runs away and meets this sort of big oaf of a man and they go <laughs> on this crazy journey together and it gets really strange and psychedelic um really great beautiful movie there is also a terrible kind of survival horror-ish video game adaptation of it that was like ps1 right that was ps1 so yeah we could maybe cover that at some point if we want to torture ourselves a little bit hurt ourselves yeah yeah but uh yeah city lost children is an amazing movie and you know it's funny so i was actually talking to my coworker about this game and she was like oh is that the game where there's a part where you run through the apartment and are just like talking to people and like spying on them through the door and I was like, oh, yeah, it is. Because it was before I got there in my playthrough. And I just think the thing about this game is, like, it's so cool that they made a game that not only references all this obscure, like, Japanese cyberpunk shit, but also, like, has sections of it that actually achieve that filmic feel, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, something like City of Lost Children that has a very specific vibe of, like, walking through this broken down, run down city, you know? And like mm -hmm. you, this game actually slows down enough and gives you the slice of life stuff enough to get that vibe. And I can't really think of another classic survival horror game that has anything like that in it. Right. Yeah. I give, I feel like there were a couple adventure games kind of doing the same thing, but no, definitely not survival horror. Yeah. That's what I mean. I think this game has a big, just as some parts of it have a big dose of action and the combat is way more 
important to the game at those sections. It also mm-hmm. has these parts where it feels more like a slow-paced adventure game. And that's when it's at its best, honestly. Oh, 100% agree. Like, yeah. It would have been interesting to see a version of this game that was just that, you know, with mm-hmm. the minimal combat and stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, and so as I mentioned earlier, just a brief little jaunt here, uh, talking about what about this game makes it so pure in its 90s techno angst? <laughs> uh, so it's got that 80s cyberpunk style, but like it's just so updated for the 90s. Um, like I said, <laughs> our main character wears a choker and big flared Jinko shorts. Uh huh. There's a lot of like gas masks and military apparel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's sick techno breakbeats everywhere, including an instrumental remix of a Nine Inch Nails song. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, so the main character, he's not like just wearing a choker, but it's like a choker that looks like your dad's belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, that my pick for the winner of the fashion war that's clearly being waged between all the characters in this game is the first boss in the game, Dr. Lem, who has a cane that has a tiny shoe on the bottom of it. I burst out laughing Yeah, I saw that. It's so good. And it looks exactly like the shoes that he's wearing. So it's like his yeah. cane is also wearing a tiny version of his actual shoe. Mm-hmm. It's so weird, but it also, it's all about the little things, you know? Yeah. It just works though. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love it. And I actually, the music in this game is really good. Actually, there is some more like atmospheric ambienty type shit, but a lot of it sounds like the compilation clubbed out. If anyone remembers that, (laughs) which was basically just like European club and techno music. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. If you have any nostalgia at all for that, or even just like the secondhand nostalgia of watching uh, shows like Spaced or Peep Show and hearing them talk about like, you know, big beats and clubbing and shit like that, like you'll love that whole aspect of this game. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like, uh, like a club rave style in the game. Yeah. Not only with the clothes and music, but in the drug usage also. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, which is a wonderful segue into talking about the nuts and bolts of this game, which I would describe as survival horror on neck-injected amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> Remember back in the 90s when ecstasy was, like, eating holes in people's brains? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Galerians. Galerians. <laughs> uh, so your character is a psychic, as we said earlier. Um, you can use your psychic powers to fight. And the way that you do that is by holding R1 to charge up an attack and then X to attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have another meter that's kind of mysterious until someone explains it to you, and that's your AP meter. And anger. Anger points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's not whatever you think AP stands for. It's motherfucking anger points, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, your AP meter is basically always charging as you play. 
Um, it's kind of like a timer and it speeds up the more you kind of do anything. So as you're, especially if you run, like if you run that your anger is going to go up a lot. Yeah. Uh, so, but you want to run all the fucking time. Oh yeah. So your anger and like running, searching things, getting hit, doing combat, it all just kind of slowly fills up your meter. So it's more like a timer than anything. Basically. Yeah. And so when the meter is full, uh, you are likely to have something called a short. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's basically when your meter is full, the next time that you press R1, your character will short out. And what happens is basically you have a mental breakdown. You can't run anymore (laughs) and you walk really slowly. However, anyone who comes near you gets their head blown up. Yeah, it's pretty tight. It's so cool and cinematic. It's straight out of Akira and also the anime Elfin Lied, if anyone has mm. uh, watched that. Like, if you ever watched those scenes and just thought it was really cool when somebody, like, blew up a hallway full of military police, then, like, <laughs> fucking strap in, dude, because that's basically this whole game, and it rips super hard. Um, Sick. The interesting thing about this mechanic is twofold. Number one, uh, you need an item to cure yourself of your short. So, yeah. you know, step one of med management, keep your Tylenol on hand because you got to take it <laughs> for your uh, murder headaches that you get every once in a while. But mm. number two is that you can actually save up a short to use strategically. So yeah. a big yeah. thing in this game, like a classic survival horror, you shouldn't fight anyone or you shouldn't, you know, blame me. Ah, I said that very <laughs> wrong. You shouldn't fight everyone. You should run as much as you can. So mm-hmm. you can actually get a short and just not press R1 and run a- around with it for as long as you want. Sure. Yeah. And then you can like use it almost like a limit break in Final Fantasy seven. Yeah. And then take a, a med to return yourself to normal so yeah like, once you're shorted it does eat away at your health and yes. you'll eventually die right so you have to kind of like limit the time you're shorted so you can pop your tylenol and feel better exactly before your, your own head explodes yeah exactly but I, I think it's it's interesting when you first start playing the game it feels really restrictive you're like oh my god i'm on a timer but then once you yeah. actually get into the flow of it you're like oh i can actually just be in the state or i can like have it ready to activate for as long Mm -hmm. as i want like yeah once you activate it you have to take your meds really quick otherwise you die but it it ends up being more of a strategy thing than it does like a timer you know right and you can um you know you'll end up hoarding your tylenol so you'll you know have plenty when you need it and you can do something like farm your ennui points and just like run up and down the same hallway until it's full. Yeah. And then go into the next room and blow up four people's heads. Yeah, exactly. And it ends up being much more of a thing in the first and last areas. I think in the middle two areas, there's so little combat that it you kind of just don't even have to pay attention to your AP bar as long as you don't use your powers. Uh, But in the first and last area, it ends up being a huge part of your, like, med management, which is the next thing I want to talk about. Look at these segues (laughs) today. God damn, I'm on fire, dude. Um, So you have, like, a medicine pouch with limited inventory. So you have to prioritize what items you pick up. 
Um, you have an item that heals your shorts. Uh, you have an item that heals your health. You have mm -hmm. a few different items to recharge your attack powers. And mm -hmm. you also have one called skip that lets you uh, power up your attacks further and faster. Yeah, it kind of does like a, a, a level up on your attacks for a while. Yeah. And so a big part of this is just prioritizing what items you pick up as well as remembering where items are. Uh, this game has a map you can pull up uh, as an overlay while you're playing, which is both really cool and also like really dumb because it doesn't mark shit for you. <laughs> well, it is really cool to be able to look at the map and still keep playing while the map is up. Like that's, I mean, that's forward thinking. Oh yeah. No, it's awesome, but you also need like a pen and a pad out so you can jot down <laughs> notes. There's no magic box like in Resident Evil where you can throw all your pills and pick them up later. No. Um, so yeah, you really you're going to be doing a lot of backtracking, so just remember where your surplus items are. Yeah. But the other thing about this game is I would say after the first half of the first area, it starts giving you a lot of items. Totally. Yeah. So I think it's good to remember where stuff is. Use as many items as you need, even if you feel like you're just gobbling pills, which you are. Uh, and then just go <laughs> it's back. It's the and, 90s. Yeah, it's the 90s. Uh, and just go back and pick up the stuff you missed. It actually ends up creating like a really fun gameplay loop of managing items, going back and like looting stuff. I don't know. I had a good time with it. Mm -hmm. It's more breezier than the traversal in something like... Uh Resident Evil or RE2 like it's so it just seems less threatening so just running around uh, isn't that bad yeah exactly yeah and so you know when you look at this stuff as a whole it sounds frustrating and it definitely is especially <laughs> initially but I really enjoyed it once I got the hang of the systems in this game and especially going back in this time with some experience and some knowledge um, and the reason I liked it is that I really like the feel of this game. Like you said, the traversal is really fun. It's not as difficult as in some other classic survival horror games. And I actually really like the combat. It's fast and sticky, and it just feels good to blow dudes away with your psychic Akira powers. <laughs> well, so yeah, on that, you get two, two powers to start with, and later a third one comes. But uh, it's red, green, and blue, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, red is called red. I, I don't remember what the other two are called. The green one's <laughs> called Nalcon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then the the blue one's called D-Felon, which I didn't get. <laughs> but you also only get it once in the whole game, I believe. Yeah, maybe twice. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, red sets things on fire, which is fucking awesome. Uh, the Prodigy. Yes. And then green <laughs> green is like a force push. And yes. then defelon is a like anti-gravity attack. Yeah. You pick people up and slam them against the ground and the animation for it is really cool. And you find the drugs all over the place, you know, because it's the future. And so you just pick up the drugs and you can inject them into your fucking neck. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah and the first couple times you do it there's an fmv cutscene, but after <laughs> yeah. that it's just a little animation but it's pretty gnarly either way 
Luckily, everything in the world pauses while you inject yourself with drugs. So don't worry about that bad guy about to hit you. Yeah, totally. And every time you open a menu, actually, the game pauses, which is nice after playing a couple of games where that didn't happen, like Claire. And yeah. also nice because, like I said, this game is fast and it is intense. I mean, maybe it's just a trick of the mind with all the fucking breakbeats going on in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's but it definitely made me Thanks, feel man. like... Uh, like I was like, ah, just really stressed out. But you can always pause it with the menus, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, organic bad guys uh, are more susceptible to fire. And then there's robot bad guys that are more susceptible like to like force push. Yes. I, actually, I don't even know if I ever used D-Felon. Um, there's one boss that's made much easier if you use it. Mm. But okay. otherwise, you can piss it away on enemies, and it's kind of fun because you can watch them just get slammed against the ground. I honestly just wanted to set everything on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were a twisted fire starter, I see. <laughs> yeah, and so the thing about all this is that uh, I am going to talk about some stuff that's not great. But before that, I just want to say that I love the unstable psychic anime kids simulator aspect of this game <laughs> like it is so satisfying to make things heads explode you blow guys heads up you light stuff on fire you inject drugs into your neck constantly it's fucking so cool and i really haven't seen anything like it and i also think that the frustrating parts of the game actually enhance that aspect of it you know because <laughs> it's so cathartic to pop some heads after you get stuck running around the same hallway for 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> really good design if that is what you're looking at it as. Like if you're looking at it as unstable psychic anime kid simulator, it's basically perfect. Uh, yeah. I wish the medicine pocket was a little bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be nice. Or an item box. Yeah. Yeah. Because backtracking for items just wasn't fun. Holy. And then, of course, the bosses, you know. Yes. Okay. So the flip <laughs> side to all of this is that this game has a lot of what I would call, quote unquote, era appropriate things <laughs> in it. <laughs> so it's a survival horror game. Like inventory management is a huge part of it and it can get really cumbersome. Uh, also, the bosses are unreasonably fucking hard. Like, mm -hmm. you're playing the game, and it has that feel like all those classic survival horror games have, where it's like, you're expecting me to, like, fight in a cool way or something, but this combat sucks. <laughs> I'm in, like, a 10 by 10 room, and you expect me to do this? Exactly. It also has sort of the Onimusha problem of your character can move pretty fast and fluidly, but the camera angles keep having to change as you go around the room. Yeah, and who knows if the boss is in frame or not. Yeah. I definitely think it's a little better in this game than some other old survival horror games, but it's still just clunky and it's still a problem. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's that stuff kind of sucks because it makes the game a hard sell, I know, but I am just going to keep harping on the fact that I do think it's worth it. And I think that if you can get past that stuff, at least playing up through the apartments is like super clutch if you're a horror game fan. Cause like, totally. The apartments totally. are awesome. Yeah. I mean, you, I could take or leave the last part. 
you know honestly i'd rather not play that again actually yeah if i were to replay this game i would probably end after the apartments yeah and you can watch the ending or watch the ending cutscenes. it's fine it's all a mess sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) so yeah speaking of let's talk about the story um the story's a mess i mean (laughs) it's a bunch of anime nonsense like it really is but it's awesome question mark well, there's like you know revenge is always fun set people on fire for revenge yeah and like okay so a couple points like i said earlier it really is pulling from its influences and especially in the sense that it doesn't really care about plotting it doesn't really care about giving you a ton of context for what's going on it just throws shit at you and is like keep up yeah <laughs> Um, basically it does have some very very cool ideas baked into it however and also stuff that i haven't really seen in other games or that i haven't seen all together so the backstory is that there's like a self-aware computer uh designed by all these shadowy scientists who you get glimpse of throughout the game and it basically became self-aware after running simulations endlessly and at some point it decided that humanity sucked and that it was going to make a new race of superhumans in order to become a god. Uh, the super, Perfect. But yeah, the superhumans are called Galerians. You're one of them. So are all the bosses. Go. <laughs> Welcome to PS1 storytelling. <laughs> yes. Uh, this game is very, very Final Fantasy VII in a lot of this <laughs> stuff. Like... It's crazy. They definitely loved FF7. I mean, the whole superhuman children thing was, like, so late 90s. Like, they did the same shit in Metal Gear Solid, right? Yeah. Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Yeah, it's definitely got a bit of that. Like, it's like Metal Gear Solid, Final Fantasy VII, and Akira all had a baby. (laughs) So your protagonist, Rion, is a classic amnesiac anime guy who slowly learns his backstory. But his Mm backstory is kind of cool. Sure. Uh, he basically finds out that his whole family has been murdered by the crazy computer I mentioned earlier. I think that's Dorothy, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so Dorothy is the crazy computer. Uh, Dorothy's murdered your whole family. And now they're after you and your kind of quote-unquote sister, Lilia, who is this mm-hmm. disembodied voice that you're chasing for the first half of the game. Turns out that you and Lilia have a virus program. Each of you has part of it in your brain, and you can use it to kill Dorothy with your psychic powers. So Dorothy's like, nah, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Uh, So there's four areas in the game, and each of them has a really different feel. Mm. And that's something that we've definitely kind of criticized about survival horror games in the past, but I actually like it in this game. Oh, totally. It makes it feel more adventure I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of these games take place in one night, you know, like Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Uh, this one gives it more scope and scale, 
you know, outside of, well, because, you know, when I started this game, I sort of expected it all to take place in this lab you're escaping mm-hmm. because it's a survival horror game. The The lab is basically, you know, the police station from RE2. Right. But then, um, you know, the second, third, and fourth acts, you, you feel like there's a time distance there, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think it's cool, too, because of the flow from one aesthetic to another is really unlike what we've come to expect from survival horror games. We've talked about it many times before that Resident Evil kind of poisoned the well for everybody. And so it's like mansion to other mansion to bio lab and game. Uh, This game's like a totally different flow. Feels a lot more like Final Fantasy VII, once again, where you're kind of going between these futuristic areas and these really weird rustic areas. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. So the first act, you're you're in this lab trying to escape. It mm-hmm. ends up being the ho- Michelangelo City Hospital. Yeah. The first act has a more uh, frantic feel to it and pace. Um, there are soldiers in hallways trying to stop you. Um, sometimes they will respawn and surprise you as you're like backtracking. Yeah. Like they're actively looking to try to stop you, and um. Eventually, you end up like finding the leader of the research department and making his head explode. <laughs> yeah. And so, this area is really cool. It has a really strong, minimal science fiction feel to it. Sterile and cold. Yep. A lot of white walls and computer terminals, big LED lights everywhere, armed mm-hmm. guards. It's really cool. You mentioned this in our chat, but it's got really strong beyond the black rainbow vibes. Oh, totally. Yeah. With 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 a lot few colors. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, it's a lot harder and more frantic than the areas that follow it. It's also got a weird quirk where enemies respawn a lot more than anywhere else. Mm. Um, so it's it's yeah the start of this game is a little rough it requires a lot more of you than much of the rest of the game does yeah and uh, again it doesn't explain a damn thing to you so like i said i got stuck in the first room for five minutes yeah Uh, there are two interact buttons you know yes x is the regular interact where you like open doors and look at items but the triangle button is you can psychically scan things Mm mm-hmm and so you can psychically scan a door and see where it would unlock things yeah. like that yeah and that's that's a cool aspect of the game that also at times can be frustrating like it's cool to be able to solve puzzles that way and just like get a visual clue by scanning it uh you can also uh like trigger some events that way instead of using like your powers if you're trying to preserve your powers mm-hmm. um and in the apartment scene it's awesome because you're actually using it to like look through doors and see what's going on in people's apartments like a creepy yeah. little psychic voyeur it's that cool. Is cool yeah, yeah. it's super cool right reminded me a little of like uh tex murphy or something yeah exactly or observer yeah totally <laughs> so the second area is actually called your house and it's your house <laughs> um totally different like 180 in the field apartment it's got this like 90s gothic vibe it's a big mansion with some stuff that's really normal like it's got just a normal kitchen and it's got like a rec room with a pool table 
but it's also got some really weird stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, your room looks like a nursery for a really young child. And yeah. like you're shown flashbacks to when you lived there and you're like the same age, but you're like in like kitty pajamas <laughs> with like, you know, giant stuffed clowns and, and shit. It's mm-hmm. really weird, but it's really cool also. Well, what's up with the car designs on this part? Oh, yeah. Like, there's a car in the garage and there's another car in the pool. And they're the most outlandish vehicle designs I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's like the Rocketeer, like the Rocketeer meets City of Lost Children. Yeah, exactly. It's like this souped up futuristic 1930s car. Yeah. Yeah. Super the, weird. Super weird. The Rocketeer is definitely a good touch point for that design style Uh, (laughs) there's also like a weird kind of star wars reference where you you raise one of the cars out of the pool yeah exactly like that scene in star wars where luke raises the x-wing out of the out of the lake Mm. yeah i thought it was more of a the who reference oh (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like this part's really cool it's where you start to realize that some of the game is actually going to be a bit slower and a bit less frantic um, mm-hmm. You don't have to do a ton of combat in this section. It's mostly just running around, watching cutscenes, learning backstory. I really like this part of the game. Yeah, I mean, the baddies do come for you. Mm-hmm. And they, like, bust a hole in your ceiling. And they make traversal in a certain hallway weird because the floor is gone. Yeah. But, um, and, you know, they do kind of, like, stalk certain hallways and everything. But generally, they're easy to avoid. And, um... I don't know. I love dropping down that hole and making all of their heads explode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so the third area, as I've mentioned multiple times, is the hotel. It's the best. You think so? I think so. It's just like a run-down, kind of Victorian-looking hotel. It's a real kind of of slice-of-life section. There's even... I think there's even less combat than in the house... And it's a real shithole, though. Oh, it's a total shithole, but it's like a Blade Runner shithole. Yeah. It's like where the puppet maker lives in Blade Runner, where mm-hmm. it looks like an old hotel, but people just live there. And you get to, like, look at people through their doors and then go in and see their lives. There's, like, a woman who's a ballerina and just has a bunch of, like, costumes crammed into racks all around her room. There's a guy I like who, the guy building a nuke. Yeah, there's like a guy who's a terrorist who has just like missiles all over his walls, and he's like building a fucking nuke in his hotel room that he lives in. There's a guy who's a gun nut, but he just has like ammo everywhere and then like nothing in the room where he sleeps but like a machine gun. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so also cool. that uh, touchy feely Jesus freak. Oh yeah, he looks like Lord Farquaad from Shrek, and he like. <laughs> He, like, shakes you down for money, literally. Yeah. Super. And he's all, like, Joe Biden touchy-feely. Yeah. But he's also (laughs) got, like, torture racks, like, weird Christian torture racks on the wall. Welcome to the future. Yeah. And it's, dude, it's such a crazy area. Because, like, so you're running around and you're talking to people and sort of just doing what they ask you to do. But as you do it, you're being stalked by, like, a weird little psychic kid who's kind of dressed like a military general dude he's like straight up fucking bobby hill he's yeah like evil little psychic bobby hill he's totally evil bobby hill 
and like uh as you help people they get murdered by him and you can go mm-hmm. back to like find their murdered corpses and psychically scan them to see how they died yeah it's really really cool yeah uh it, it's you keep you know you'll talk to somebody and they'll be like oh talk to the girl in the next room and you'll go over there and you're kind of like led around this breadcrumb trail around the apartment building until the kind of mystery is resolved with finding out that the princess is in another castle yeah (laughs) exactly and uh (laughs) yeah then you go of course to the castle which is the last area in the game and it's like a big biomechanical nightmare tower mushroom tower yeah it's awful i hated it yeah so the visual design is cool it's like cronenberg meets final fantasy 7 it reminded me of um the tower in onimusha with yeah. the 10 levels yeah so it kind of looks like that and in gameplay it is exactly that it's just like enemy rush boss rush it sucks <laughs> yeah i mean in onimusha at least it was optional but uh this really was a slog yeah and i mean it is a lot this game reminds me a lot of onimusha in the way that it's classic survival horror but a little faster and more frantic so just as in onimusha i found the section doable but not really fun and Mm. once again if you do want to play through this part you you're gonna want them damn save states for sure yeah absolutely there's a part where you have to fight like um like three astronaut looking dudes like yellow astronauts it sucks it's such a slog and they take forever to die and i hated every minute of it yeah and that's kind of how the bosses are too i definitely Mm -hmm. had a lot less trouble this time than like the first couple times i played this game but man the bosses take forever and like they're just so hard yeah there's one boss where um she's like literally riding around on a restaurant table the whole time uh-huh. like cyclically through the air one it just looks like really stupid yeah and two it's just so repetitive and boring and unfun yeah also like so near the end of the game the voice acting gets noticeably worse i think well some of the characters are really really bad yeah there's a girl named rita that uh, i mean i act better than rita and i've i've never acted before yeah (laughs) it's 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 painful but it's also hilarious like i did bust out laughing like literal lol several times oh yeah there yeah her so a lot of the dialogue in the end game is her and then your sister figure lilia and Lilia's voice acting is also really bad, but the main thing that bothered me is she has this quirk where every time she says Rion's name, she says it differently. Yes. Did you notice that? <laughs> I noticed that. It's like she didn't know how to say it, so she's like, I'll just say it differently every time I say it. So in the early game, she only says Rion. And near the end of the game, she switches between Rion, 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 and one other that I can't remember. <laughs> But it's like so awkward and weird, and it's like, what happened here? So, okay, well, I, I have to bring this up. The problem with Rion's name is that I can't stop thinking about Leon, 
and yeah. so like my brain like makes me think that it's like a lisp or something you know yeah it's really really hard to say it's yeah. not good it's a bad name <laughs> don't do that like they should have just i mean like they can do whatever they want in japanese but they really should have changed it for english <laughs> Like, they went through the trouble of recording all this awful voice acting. They could have just switched some of the names around. I'm, you know, I, sh- I should have looked it up. I'm curious what the names were in the original. Because also, the, a lot of the names of this, ga- this game are super goofy. Like, Dorothy and Rita. They just seem kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the name of the long-haired kid? Oh, they R- kill Rainheart or Birdman? <laughs> Birdman, yeah, Birdman and Rainheart. Rainheart's Bobby Hill. Yeah, Rain Rainheart though. That's another one. It's like yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, there's this line. He's like, "I'll never forget you, Rainheart." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, really moving stuff. Yeah. So okay, I some of the cool ideas I thought were in the story, having gotten out of the way that the story itself is kind of nonsense. Um, <laughs> there are some really cool ideas in it. So the thing earlier about the AI running simulations and being like humans suck, I want to be God. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Terminator. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really like that the Galerian slash psychic kids are all just like really fucked up and want to be normal, but they're all basically like drug addicts with programmed bipolar. Yeah. Like the computer (laughs) wants them to be evil. So they kill people, but they just want to be normal. And they're all like super addicted to all these drugs that they shoot into their neck. Mm -hmm. Um, It's portrayed pretty frankly like if you just kind of think of the text and not the terrible voice acting it's like oh yeah that's some of this is like really real and there's also a really unsettling scene where like you meet a drug dealer and he's just like yeah you guys are all junkies right and your character's like uh and he's like yeah whatever junkie (laughs) and like it's kind of a cool scene yeah he's like here try this and he gives you some d felon yeah (laughs) check it out felon yeah it's it's a cool touch and i think it goes towards another thing i like in this game which is that it really simulates the character archetype and trope really well like you feel like tetsuo Mm. just going around and taking drugs and busting heads you know (laughs) popping heads (laughs) popping pills popping heads breaking hearts But yes, it's definitely an aesthetic slash experience over plot kind of thing. You're not on the edge of your seat wanting to know what happens. You know yeah. everyone's going to die and blah, blah, blah. But you're just like, I want to experience the next weird scene or cool like style aesthetic thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I feel like if you're not even into the aesthetic, if you're a Resident Evil freak, like you like really wish there was another Resident Evil 2, like... I've got good news for you. There's Galerians. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I also think some of the direction in this game is really cool. Like the ending is really weird and atmospheric. And yeah. a lot of the cutscenes are just straight up strange. There's one early on where you like scan this big machine and you get this weird vision of yourself floating in space, talking to it. Mm. It's just like shit like that is just cool and yeah. it makes up for some of the shittier cutscenes and all of the voice acting now it's hard for me to go back to 1999 and think about the cgi back then but it looks really primitive now yeah well you know sure <laughs> i mean it all does 
Yeah. But even I feel like something like Resident Evil 2 or Silent Hill 1's CGI was better and more expressive. Yeah, I mean, so the art style in this game is so anime that it makes things look a little bit plastic, I guess. Yes. Like, yeah. in a way, they actually did the anime look better than something like Final Fantasy VII, but doing it better means that it looks a little more weird and artificial. Mm-hmm. And the animations are very chonky, too. Yeah, totally. There's no, like, mocap or anything. Oh, no, 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 no. But it's also, like, the PS1 look is so strong that it's kind of awesome. And if you like that look, you're going to love this game. Like, Rion's character model is just, like, so chonky. (laughs) He's got that, like, G.I. Joe kind of, like, physique. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Where his legs are just two big honkers that are like on a ball joint into his hips. It's awesome. Yep. And it, it's this game is just like so slathered and dithering. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. It's pointillism. You know? Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just loved how everything came together in this game. Like the various aesthetics colliding and the, the various story ideas. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's especially like if you can, if you like that 80s, 90s cyberpunk feel, you like those animes where people's heads are blown up by weird <laughs> teenagers. Like, it's the game of that. And as far as I can tell, it's kind of the only one, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And even like cyberpunk in general is a little bit underrepresented in video games. It feels like it was more of an influence on video games than something, than an aesthetic that they would like readily adopt. Just wait until that game that comes out that's called cyberpunk comes out. (laughs) Okay. Well, but even that is like so different from this because this is more like in that Blade Runner and like Tetsuo Iron Man, Akira world. And even what I think people normally call cyberpunk is way more in the William Gibson world. Mm, The Neuromancer world, right? Sure. Because, like, okay, so if you don't know, cyberpunk came out in the 80s. It was basically, like, sci-fi authors who decided to go for this gritty, dystopian, near-future kind of vibe. Very obsessed Mm -hmm. with, like, nuts and bolts of, like, computing technology and people using it for crime and other unsavory activities. And Neuromancer is known as one of the formative cyberpunk literatures. That book coined a lot of terms. Like, I mean, that's where Microsoft comes from, for example. Yeah, and uh, what is it, cyberspace? Cyberspace also. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, like, there's a lot of writing in this genre from the 80s and 90s. I actually think that someone else coined the term cyberpunk because there's a short story called cyberpunk that came out before Gibson stuff. Oh, really? I think Um, I might be wrong about that, but I do want to just assert some doubt there. But like (laughs) it was a whole thing. And even like the game that's coming out, cyberpunk is based on an old like tabletop role playing game called cyberpunk. That's like super influenced by all this stuff, but that has a really specific feel and style and aesthetic. That's really different from something like this or all the stuff I've been talking about, which I think has a much more weird mix up mashup of visual ideas and genre ideas and stuff like the drug use is there and some of the future Mm -hmm. tech is there but 
It's also yeah. got all this old style architecture and like this focus on psychodrama is really big. The whole like amnesiac, am I really a human thing, which is huge in here, like equal parts Blade Runner and Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII is a big touch point in that genre too, just because it the first section of it has, is that in spades. You know what I mean? And yeah, much, absolutely. much more in that style than in the like Gibson 80s American kind of style. Like fighting corporatism and stuff. That's, I mean, that's cyberpunk AF. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like, I love William Gibson. He's one of my favorite authors. But overall, I do kind of like this other take on it a little bit better aesthetically. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The PKD film derived cyberpunk. Yeah. Totally. Isn't that weird how that happened? Yeah. Because then we got, you know, Akira, Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. all those things, you know, Snatcher. But even like I said, the Akira film is sort of influential in its own way because it's a weird, broken, technically bad adaptation. Yeah, sure. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the pacing on that movie is completely fucked. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Amazing movie, yeah. though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell is better. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> what dude no no oh my god that is the hottest bullshit you've ever said to me dude ghost in the shell one is so gangster okay full disclosure i haven't watched any of the other stuff like the other series or anything i'm talking about the original movie yeah ghost in the shell is very good akira is god so nah I'd, i'd rather watch ghost in the shell any day put that in your digitally assisted cyber pipe and smoke it dude I'd rather watch Bubblegum Crisis. Okay. Not Dude. kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm putting together a profile of you, I think, and I think you just like stuff that's bad. <laughs> you don't think Ghost in the Shell is good? What the fuck? No, Ghost in the Shell is good, but it's, like, not Akira. Come on. Dude. Just from a, like, pure direction, like, aesthetic, eye-popping beauty sense, like, you cannot top Akira. The music? Yeah, that's not everything, though. The fucking Ghost in the is actually, like, good to watch, though. Like, Akira's fucking pacing is just all screwed up. And, yeah, I don't know. Nah, man. Akira rules. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's, like, bad. It's just not as good as Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I just cannot get down with that at all. <laughs> what do you gamers think? What do you think <laughs> yeah. there? Let us know in the Discord. Yeah, I guess let us know. But, I don't know. I love Galerians. I know that much. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather watch Ghost in the Shell than play Galerians. Yeah. I mean, Galerians (laughs) is a lot of work, so I'm definitely not going to begrudge you that opinion. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, I think, and you know, this kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Clock Tower. Like, you love it because it's such a small pool of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's definitely how I feel about Galerians, where it's like, this is so specific that there's not a ton of stuff like this. I could totally see that, you know? And so I keep coming back to it. I definitely would have have played it more than three times by now. If it wasn't such a slog at points. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that middle chunk disc two is really where it's at. Yeah. Disc two Fox. (laughs) I really feel like if people take the time to understand the systems and get through the first area and then really enjoy the second and third and just watch the last one like don't even bother playing it (laughs) i think 
that's kind of the way the place game. And, you know, I kind of got in my own head about this, right? I was thinking about mm-hmm. this last night. I was laying on my acupressure mat and uh, <laughs> trying to get some, some shit right with my back. And I was thinking about this. And I feel like at some point everybody realized that, like, all PS1 games were just too much of a slog, right? <laughs> and so that's why, like, when they re-released Final Fantasy VII, they put in, like, fast-forward and god mode cheats, basically. Mm. And, like, when people even make PS1-style RPGs now, they give you the fast-forward, like, those uh, trails totally. games, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I feel like for us, I mean, we're covering games that are way more obscure and are probably never going to get, like, a cool re-release like that. So... I just feel like people should embrace the fact that you're not going to play these games in the original form or the original way. You're just doing it for fun. You're not a fucking pro gamer, YouTube streamer, whatever. Like, <laughs> just like, just embrace it. Emulate these games. If things are frustrating, you don't have to bang your head against the wall. Like, just try to find the fun because it's worth experiencing these games. Like, they're super sure. cool, you know? Yeah, I think one thing that that could fix this game is just auto-saving when, whenever you went through a door or, like, right before a boss. Yeah. If they were ever going to, you know, re-release this on Steam or whatever, which they're not. But if they were to, I mean, just adding that one simple feature would save a lot of frustration. Yeah, auto-save and, like, cutting all the boss's health in, like, half. <laughs> they really do take a while to die, don't they? Oh, my God. I think... Uh, all of them pretty much just used my whole inventory every time. Yeah. Like, Basically, and so that's kind of, yeah. kind of a fun tip is that just use all your inventory and then go loot the area before you leave and collect all the yeah. items. Yeah. Especially if you're like missing shots and stuff, it can really screw you over. Yeah, totally. And there's a little bit about that in that guide I wrote. Like, this game, the combat, <laughs> it has its it's stuff but it's mostly in the bosses and yeah yeah it's definitely worth playing though i think it's worth playing and experiencing it's really unique that's what i keep coming back to every time i think about this game i'm like it's just this game there isn't a bunch of other shit like it all right so galerians i would give it three stars but that's a non it's a non-review review i'm gonna give it two and a half stars Okay, don't knock it off a half point because you want to be edgy, James. <laughs> I'm not being edgy. I'm just being real. Five out of ten? No, it, it, it's a six out of ten. Yeah, come on. Yeah, okay. A little above average. I give this Five game... Five is average. I give this game an exploding animate tentacle head out of ten. <laughs> all those chunky pixel red blotches flying yeah. all over your screen. Yeah. And if that sounds cool, you should play it. I mean, the heads exploding is like a solid 9 out of 10. Yeah. Right? But then, like, that boss in the little tiny apartment room, when you're fighting Bobby Hill, he's like a solid 1 out of 10. <laughs> so we're going to meet in the middle and say 6 jalapenos out of 10. Jalapenos. <laughs> what? That's not meeting in the middle at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, too, though, like... This is kind of my picture of what a lot of old survival horror games are. Like, dude, like, just wait till we play Rule of Rose. Rule of Rose is like this, but far worse, right? Where it's like, mm. 
the bosses are so awful and the rest of the game is so good that you're just like i don't even know what to say you know <laughs> so this is kind of the beginning of our exploration of that whole subgenre of survival horror games where it's like amazing enchanting aesthetics and gameplay that makes you want to just never play a game again <laughs> i'll tell you this if you've got a pair of jinkos in the closet this is your number one survival horror game. <laughs> gotta play it jinko horror are you a freak on a leash <laughs> i think the real question is are you ready uh, I just wanted to say that I don't actually think this game is as frustrating as something like Rule of Rose. It's hard, it gets weird in parts, but I still think at its core it's fun, it's sticky, and it feels good much more than some of the really like broke-ass survival horror games out there. So <laughs> I just wanted to add that since, you know. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Game cool. Club. Game Club. Buy our t-shirt, zerobrightness.com. Yeah, please buy the t-shirt do it for satan yeah man he's my my guiding light (laughs) game club um what is next well we are going to do some topic episodes Mm, Uh, yes so we've got an episode that is a game bookended by a couple episodes that aren't a game so give you gamers some time to stretch out game at your own pace a little half hour a night fucking adult shit that's nice sometimes huh you like it sometimes yes so the only game we've got though over the next couple weeks for you to play is kentucky route zero yes one of my favorites from the past few years looking forward to crack that nut open yeah it's gonna be fun yeah um yeah so play that and get ready for some exploratory topic episodes as long as the uh creek don't run dry we'll see you next time